welcome back to Positive Talk Radio. Our goal is simple, to explore evolving ideas one conversation at a time. So come on over into our world. I know you'll like it, because on today's show, we have an awesome author, speaker, advocate, and athlete. And that's quite a combination to have all at the same time. And we're going to get into that in just a minute. But I've got to talk to my friend Eric first. See, 18 years ago when I was doing Positive Talk Radio, I gave him the job of monitoring and taking care of the weather. And uh, I so I have to ask him, Eric, why in the world is it snowing? Because <laughs> it's cold. <laughs> Next it's cold, question. <laughs> Yeah, well, you know, part of my team has not been able to be part of my team today because they're over at Finn Hill and they haven't had power since 10 o'clock last night. Wow. Well, let's hope that uh, gets fixed quickly. Um, yeah, we are in the middle of uh, a bit of a winter winter storm at the moment. So we're seeing mix of snow and rain and more snow and more rain. <laughs> Do, do they have, I haven't been paying attention to the weather. Have they been, and this is for all the listeners, for everybody that's driving around out there. Have, have they given us an idea of how much snow or how long this is going to last? Well, because it's going to uh, fluctuate <laughs> between rain and snow, you know, uh, we may get a couple inches, but that's going to disappear anytime it warms up to turn into rain. And then we'll get a couple more inches and then back to the rain thing. So, um, it doesn't look too much like it's going to be accumulating, but uh, definitely looks like it, it's slick conditions for sure. But it's not going to get into the 20s overnight, so it's not going to freeze well, overnight. It is going to get into the 20s overnight. Um, we're going to see lows around 23, and so it's going to be slick out there. But uh, during the days, we're going to see more rain mixed in with that, so probably not a lot of accumulation. So the uh, advice there is if you have to get up and go to work early in the morning, be careful, be careful because <laughs> there's going to be ice out there. Most likely. Yes, indeed. So well, now that we got that cleared up, um, it's, you know, we don't get that much snow here. And so everybody loses their mind when we get to when that happens. And we just have to be really careful. So, Eric, thank yep. you so much. And uh, Randy Lee Boslaw is our guest, and she is right there. And uh, Randy, how are you today? I'm good, and I'm glad to hear that you have the snow and I don't. Well, you're in Ontario, aren't you? I am. You're supposed to have snow now. No, thank you. We had <laughs> we had a little bit of snow on the weekend, but it's all since um, gone because it got it warmed up again. Oh well, good. Well, could you could you fix it here for us? Because we we lose no, our No, because th then it might come back to me, and you know I like you and all, but <laughs> you can keep it. You don't like us that much. So no. <laughs> I I understand completely. So uh, I got you. Uh, we've talked before. You've been on the show before. And uh, but I got to tell you, I've been reading your bio. And not only are you an author, you are passionate about helping others. You're a speaker. You're an advocate. I had no idea that you were. And I don't know if you still are a world class athlete. Um, not currently, uh, my body this year was like, no, actually, I don't think you're going to be able to do that. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, I was for a while there. And, uh, you, did you get to hear the Canadian national anthem at, uh, the world kickboxing tournament? I think so. Cause you came in yeah. second. 
well, that was the Pan American, but it came in second. But uh, I'm trying to remember now. So long ago in my memory, <laughs> it was 2016. <laughs> and I mean, and the adrenaline, all the excitement, kind of like everything blurs together. But I'm going to go with, yeah, I think so. What's it like being, see, I was a, in, in my youth, I attempted to be a boxer. Oh. What's what's it like being a kickboxer? Oh, it's so much fun, especially kicking them in the head. That's <laughs> <laughs> that's my favorite thing to do. Um, and whenever we would do drills that were like just straight boxing, I'd be like, I don't know what to do right now. I can't. And I'd go to kick them like, well, I can't do that right now because we're just doing boxing. And yeah, I need I need to kick things. So, so now, now, in order to kick somebody in the head, you have to be able to kick pretty high, I would think. Oh, uh, yeah. So what, what got you involved in kickboxing? Was it was it that you were mad at your older brother or something? <laughs> no, <laughs> actually. So we put our kid in kickboxing, not in kickboxing, we put our kid in jujitsu when he was five. He's 16 now. So when he was five, we put him into kickbox or into jujitsu. While he was in class, there was an adult cardio kickbox class going on. And I look over and I'd be like, those girls have really nice butts. I want to <laughs> have a really nice butt. And so I joined the class. Um, they actually got it from running, not from kickboxing, but um, <laughs> so I joined the class. It was a lot of fun. So then I moved from the fitness class to the actual um real class. And then rest is history i started doing it loving it hitting people it's great well somebody had to say at one point young lady you've got a lot of talent for this who was that guy um that would be my coach roger um he he said it the one day he goes you're you learn so quickly like most people it takes they, they go it's a very slow progress he goes but you just you like took off um so it's like yeah okay <laughs> what's it like going to the pan america games and going going into the stadium when uh, everybody's coming in there and they've got opening ceremonies and closing long. ceremonies <laughs> long <laughs> um i don't know people might be expecting a different answer but it's just like it's it's long and, and a little tedious because you're just standing there and can't do anything so it's a little boring um <laughs> <laughs> and I just want to like get out and go see and do things. Where were the Pan American Games held? Uh, Mexico, in Cancun. Um, yeah. In where? Cancun. Oh, a lousy place to go visit. I mean, there's lots of stuff to do in Cancun. Right, I know. And I'm sitting here going, "Okay, finish talking so I can get in the pool." Come on. <laughs> so, so it must have been a great challenge for you, but also a lot of fun. Oh, so, so much fun. And congratulations on that, by the way. That is a, I've talked to a lot of people and I've met uh, just a few really great athletes. And uh, it takes being a great athlete to be able to do what you do and, and come in second and all of that. So congratulations. Yeah. I think that's awesome. Thanks. Yeah, it was, it was so much fun. And perhaps one day I'll do it again. Uh, we just have to wait for the body to decide to want to. <laughs> <laughs> uh don't mean to put this impolitely, but is there a senior division? There is actually. Um, I'm not quite <laughs> old enough for that yet. So that's forty and over. Yeah. They so call it, a... they call it veteran. Okay. <laughs> so you have forty year old women kicking each other in the head. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. 
some of them are amazing. I mean, age really d- doesn't stop you. And now they do what in the veteran division. So normally the divisions are three rounds of depending what style you fight in one and a half to two minutes. The veterans though, um, is, Oh, I'm trying to remember now it's always one and a half minutes, I think. And I don't feel like it was two rounds. Yeah. It's been a while since I reviewed the rules. <laughs> well, and they, to be fair, they may have changed in, in that. Exactly. Time. Exactly. So you don't know if you, if you decide to get back into it, you'll need to come back on the show because when I was 20, I went to see the movie Rocky and oh. said, Ooh, I think I'll do that. Yeah. And I went to the professional gym in downtown Seattle. It's no longer there. It was called Eagles gym on seventh and union. And I met a professional boxing trainer and he said this to me, I can make you the champion of the world. <laughs> if somebody ever walks up to you and says, I can make you champion of the world. Don't listen to him. Run. <laughs> it, all I heard was, please give me all your money. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So he took me, he took me to Monroe Reformatory and, and he said, oh, don't worry. The, the, we are all going to be matched up with people our own skill level. <laughs> Uh, heard that before <laughs> hospital but that's a story for i'll have to tell that story completely one time but yeah it, it was i broke my cheek and and uh and and had to go have surgery and all that kind of good stuff so oh ouch fortunately for me that was the end of my boxing career because now i would be if i had boxed like a long time i became a champion i would be behind the microphone going something like this so you know, I I don't know what you say. Um, we I'd um uh, uh have a nice day, you know, something like that. So yeah, so no, I, I like this day. conversation better. I do too, and and let's get into it a little bit because not only are you a, do you like people saying that she's a world class athlete? Um, sometimes it depends on my mood. So right now, yes, yes, I do. <laughs> That's that's very nice. But you're also an author. Yes. And you've written in several different genres based upon your life experience and the things that have gone on with you. Is that a fair assessment? Yes. And uh, um, so let's the first one that you wrote in 2017 was about mental health awareness. Yep. It was called Thoughts of a Wanderer. Where did the name come from? Um. I thought of it as a teenager, actually, like years before I actually published the book. Um, And I just knew one day I was going to make a book and it was going to be called Thoughts of a Wanderer. No idea how I came up with it because it's like 20 years ago, (laughs) but it stuck with me. So when I did finally go to publish a book, I was like, I already got a name. Perfect. Very nice. Now it's about mental health awareness what does it comprise what does it talk about so it's uh, a collection of poetry uh and it's all of the poems that i had written as a teenager in some of the darkest times um and then i also did like a little beginning chapter and end chapter to kind of set the set the reader up to understand where these poems are coming from and then at the end kind of be like okay so as dark as they are let's remember that things can be better and good that you don't have to end it all um 
and I've been thinking about re-releasing it. So I want to, I want to do some updates and edits. Cause I mean, 2017, I was still a very fresh author. I've since learned lots and I, I want to, and I have other ideas to put into that one and, and just kind of refresh it, you know? Well, it's kind of cool because it is, now I don't know if you, I would call it an autobiography, but it is kind of based upon your life experiences, right? Yeah, yeah. I definitely um, have another book that would be more like an autobiography than that one because it is more poetry. But like I said, the the very first section of it, I share just a smidge of my life story just to kind of set the stage. But now that you've had more of a life story that you can go revisit that book because your your uh, experience has led you to other things. Exactly. And, and growth. Yes, exactly. And that's that's what's really exciting and really cool about life. Yes. Is, is that the longer you go, and I now am speaking from experience, mind you, <laughs> but the longer you go, the more fun you can have and the more experiences you get. And then you get to the point where it's like, oh, no, I had that in, in when I was 46. I don't need that again. And so you <laughs> yep. get a little bit smarter over time. Yes, exactly. Been there, done that, not going back. Don't need that anymore. I've had that and I would like to go do something else now. Thank you very much. And then the next book you wrote, I wanted to talk about this one a little bit because I think it's a, a mother's truth. Is, yes. is And I want to talk about that because I just found out a month or so ago that my granddaughter is oh, quote unquote okay. on the spectrum. Okay. Which means that I have no earthly idea what any of that means. <laughs> You know what? At least you can admit it. Exactly. Exactly. And I've done a little bit of research, but I don't know what being on the spectrum means for a four-year-old child. Yeah. I know how it affects the mom and dad because the child is not behaving as a normal, whatever normal is, yeah. four-year-old child. And so they've got present unique challenges. I don't really know what that holds for them now or in the future. And, uh, and they even tell me that they can, that there are some kids that are autistic in nature now that can grow out of it. I, I have mm. no idea whether any of that's true. You don't grow out of it. It's, it's with you forever, but you develop coping strategies to help you fit into societal standards. Um, so it's more like when people talk about that, like growing out of it, like I said, you, you gain different coping strategies to then mask when you need to. So um, I actually was diagnosed finally last year myself. And I'm like, oh, my whole life makes sense. <laughs> Yay. Um, <laughs> but uh, like we are holding a very important conversation. Um, and in a sense, I'm masking because my voice isn't as bouncy as it is sometimes when I'm just kind of letting everything go. Now you can see me, nobody else can see me and I'm fidgeting I'm all over <laughs> the place. I'm making faces. Um, so, I mean, it's always there, but you develop coping strategies. Um, and it's really like you said, she's four. So she has a great chance of getting um, these skills at an early age. Cause the earlier that you can help them, the better it will be for them to learn because as kids age, 
you know, it's, you can't teach an old dog new tricks, right? <laughs> so it's the same thing with people. The younger that you can help somebody, the better it is. Just like kids who are bilingual from birth, if they speak two languages in the home, it's a lot easier for the kids than when you're an adult trying to learn that second language. And and I, I want to bring it up and talk about it quite a little bit because, um, and I don't know if everybody knows this, but it, years ago, like 20 years ago, they were saying that one out of 80 kids, one out of 90 kids was going to be on the spectrum, was autistic in some manner or form. And through the years, the last 20 years or so, that number has kept on coming down. Yes. So it was now like one in 60 and then one in 40, you know, one in 20. And now it's down to like one in eight or nine. Is Have, have you been keeping up with those stats? Is any of um, I, I don't know that, but the, the stats right now, last time I checked was a few years ago and it was like one in 64 or something, Canada stats, um, which are very similar to the US stats. Now there's oodles of factors and I'm not a doctor, but from what, I do know um, when autism was first discovered way back when it was discovered in boys, it was something boys had. And for the longest time, only boys were um, like researched on. That's not the word I'm looking for, but uh, they were the only ones that they, they had to base any of the diagnostical criteria on. And so when girls would start to present, they'd be like, oh, no, you're not presenting because you're a girl. No. Right. And so I think that now that people are more aware of the actual um, symptoms and, and what to look for, a lot more girls are now being diagnosed. So the numbers come down simply because and I shouldn't say simply because, but one of the reasons is because now girls are also being diagnosed at a higher rate than they ever were before because girls don't present the same way as boys. And boys having had two of them <laughs> living in my house for, you know, their, their formative years, boys are a lot more difficult at the early age. They yes. don't listen as much. They get out of, they get out of whack and they really, they really can lose their, their mind <laughs> that's what my call it anyway and and stuff but gr girls are a little bit quieter at the younger ages and then um then through their teenage years at least that was my yes. experience it, it's so true and girls are often diagnosed later later as well like my kid um was diagnosed at the age of eight because when me and my husband said there's there's something wrong it was no no they're just a quiet kid it's fine yeah, they're a quiet kid, but they're quiet because they are not being socially engaged to an appropriate developmental level as everyone else. And you're just saying that they're just, you know, a quiet kid. No, no, no. They are acting, you know, three years younger than they should be. Um, so it, it does take a lot and it's, it's, it's very hard to diagnose again, because it is developmental there's no blood test to figure it out you really just have to go to the the psychologist or psychiatrist to talk to them about all of your past experiences how your interactions are are in different situations to really see is this 
an anxiety thing where, you know, you're at school, so you're anxious, so you're acting too quiet, or is it actually autism and you are quiet in all of these situations, but you're quiet to the point that even if somebody says your name, you're not paying attention. Like it doesn't even phase you. That's how my kid got diagnosed. It was people would be like, Hey, Lev, what's up? Like right in front of his face. And, uh, it was like, not even there. No, no clue. Somebody was talking to him. So if, um, girls who obviously turned into young women and then women, were not diagnosed with autism. They there are people wandering around who have autism who that nobody has ever diagnosed. So when they are presenting as it, as you say, then they think it's something else, or do they think they're just being weird, or does somebody give them um, um, antipsychotic, psych, some drugs to yeah. calm them down and that kind of stuff because nobody diagnosed them. A little bit of yes to all of those. It really depends on which doctor this person ends up going and talking to. Because a lot of doctors don't understand autism. Um, It's not their specialty, especially like just a general practitioner, like a family doctor. They're going to, they would rather probably hitch up with some antidepressants or antipsychotic than to really dig deep into why you're doing what you're doing. And as adults, we've gone through life. So, we've picked up different skills along the way, whether they're good or bad, that's to be seen, but we've picked up different skills and strategies, especially for those of us who went to to higher education, right? If you went to college or university, you've picked up enough skills to help you manage get going through those or getting a job or doing an interview. So you're managing enough that sometimes a doctor would be like, you're fine. You're, you're blowing this out of proportion, even though you're, I go, it takes me two weeks to make a phone call because I forget that I need to make a phone call. Even if it's written down on this piece of paper, that's in front of my face. I'll forget what I'm doing. And just little things like that, that it's an accumulation of many factors, but yeah. (laughs) So I guess the long story short here would be if you feel like you have got some issues that that go to somebody that is that is able to talk to you and diagnose you uh, so that you can get to the bottom of it. Because yeah. if you're if you're diagnosed incorrectly, you can't get to the bottom of what's really going on, can you? No, you can't. So yeah, go to if you. Um, there's a bunch of different really good like self assessments online that obviously aren't going to tell you a hundred percent, but it's kind of a nice starting point so that you can go to the doctor and say, hey, look. I think that I fit into the autism spectrum. Do you, can you refer me to somebody who knows about it? So you said the word spectrum again, and my son used that to me. She's on the spectrum and I still have no earthly idea what that means. How How broad is the spectrum? Super duper broad. So oh, good. I, I love this question actually. Um, so autism spectrum, it's, an umbrella of various developmental levels. And um, so Asperger's used to have its own category. It is now part of the autism spectrum. Um, what is it? PD, PDD? PTSD? Nope. <laughs> um, it's another developmental one. I can't remember the exact acronym, um, but it doesn't quite fit autism, but it's a developmental. And then it, it is now falling under the umbrella of autism spectrum. 
Um, and then when you look at spectrum, a lot of people, and I get this question a lot, you know, are you lower high functioning? Well, it's not cut and dry like that. So you have to think of it more as various scales. So your communication skills for both verbal and nonverbal, two separate scales, really, you can be low or high or in the middle, right? Your social skills can be low, high, in the middle, whatever. Your um, basically any executive functions that could be planning, organization, um, ability to make phone calls, how to interact with people. All of these need to be looked at on their own merit, not as one big lower high, each one separately. Um, so it always used to, well, still bugs me, but I can now better articulate what I'm trying to say when people say, hey, lower high functioning. And I go, mm, let's stop right there <laughs> because we're not going to use those labels <laughs> because um, especially for my kid, it's, you know, at 16 now, he's learned a lot more things. He's still, you know, he's 16, but sometimes I'm like, mm, you're still 10. Um, I love you though. Um, <laughs> but I used to get a lot of, well, are they low or high? And I'd say, well, he has really high verbal communication skills. He will chat your ear off. He's a little lower though on the processing of what you're going to say back to him. And then he's a little lower on task completion. So don't give him more than two things at a time because he's not going to remember the third, fourth thing. Gotcha. <laughs> Funny. So, I, I just thought that was life. I, you know, I thought we all have our, our, our skills and we all have things we don't do well. And how many times have you walked out of your house without your keys in your pocket and can't remember where yeah. in the world did you put your keys? Exactly. Uh, and that's why I'm saying like, there's so many different components that you have to look at, which is why if you suspect that you might have it or your kid might have it, you have to speak to somebody who is aware of what autism really is because it can look so much like ADHD, so much like just being forgetful, so much like all of these other things, depression, anxiety. But so you really have to get down to the nitty gritties of every little detail in order to get a true diagnosis. Well, we're going to talk more about that book and also subsequent books and also the things that you do in life that uh, you, you've becoming an advocate and you put that on your website. You're an advocate for people who need help with different things and you you by the way you are just a, a dynamically lovely person i wish people could see your smile and who you are uh you're 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 just terrific but we need to take a break and we're gonna by the way while we're taking that break if you want to go to her website you can which is rbwriting.ca because she's you know like a in canada kind of thing you know and <laughs> <laughs> I do not sound like that. <laughs> <laughs> no, she, no, she doesn't sound like that at all. But uh, if you know, so but if you want to go to rbwriting.ca, you can find out all about her, her books. Um, you can work with her. She does speaking. Um, she's a writing coach, which, by the way, I sorely need a writing coach. But we'll talk about that another time. But, um, but in any event, you're listening to Positive Talk Radio, and we will be right back right after these. Just a couple of minutes. Don't go anywhere, really, honestly. we got lots of left to do. Hey there. I'm excited that you're listening right now, and if you like what we're doing here, you're going to love PositiveTalkRadio.net. 
on PositiveTalkRadio.net. Each show, which is recorded live, is packed with positive information, with real people discussing real issues, and positive solutions that can work for everyone. I hope that you'll join us on PositiveTalkRadio.net and listen to all 340-plus shows. I think it's worth your time. But then, that's just me. That's PositiveTalkRadio.net, your home for great progressive positive podcasts. When you want to say more than words communicate, you can with flowers. Your custom boutique floral studio in Bothell, Washington is anaturaldesign.com, connecting you to nature through the language of flowers. Where your people are is where our flowers are beautiful. Your success is our goal. Now through New Year's Eve, here's your exclusive bonus for being our appreciated listener. Type in promo code Positive Talk Radio at checkout to receive $20 off your order. Our gift to you for being here with us today. anaturaldesign.com And welcome back to Positive Talk Radio, everybody. It is Wednesday afternoon. It's snowing, so I want everybody to take care of themselves and make sure that you are obeying the speed limit and all that kind of good stuff and take care and so that you don't get into an accident. We are talking with a great young lady. <clears throat> Her name is Randy Lee, and um, uh, I'm going to have you pronounce your last name to make sure because I think I got it right at the beginning. You did. You did. Boslaw. Oh, very good, Bosla. And uh, she is got a, a great website that I want you to go to, which is rbwriting.ca. She does all kinds of things, including your background is including um, recovery work. You were a postgraduate work at uh, um, a Native uh, Friendship Center. You uh, pursued uh, an education in psychology, uh, and you're a world-class kickboxer. That's quite a package you got put together there. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> and and your mother too, right? Yes. And her grandma. No way. Yes. He just turned three. How old is your your son? Um, my stepdaughter is 18. Oh, very she's about to be 19, yeah. Oh, very nice. Well, um, how how is uh the grandchild? Is it is she doing well or he? He is doing so well. He's potty trained now. He talks your ear off, and Grandma is his favorite person. <laughs> Isn't it fun when you get to be uh, a grandparent of these little children, and they, before they find out the real you, they think that you walk on water and stuff. And yep, yeah, exactly. Grandma, I want this. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> you can have whatever you want. You're so adorable. I just love you. And yep. uh, so, and you've got written a couple of books. And you, uh, you have you got another book coming out? I do. Uh, I was hoping you would ask. Of course. <laughs> so it's actually on pre-order right now on Amazon. You can get a pre-order of the ebook, um, and it releases May twentieth of next year. It's called Goodbye Too Soon. Um, and it's a story about my brother. He died. It'll be two years ago on May 20th. That's why it's being released that day. And so he, he died, um, from a drug overdose. Uh, he was addicted to drugs, uh, for most of his life. And so it's, it's his story. It's my story. It's written, uh, for family members, really all about how to, forgive yourself, forgive the person with the addiction, because sometimes we have to put boundaries into place. Um, 
and just love them from a distance, which can be very difficult, especially if that person passes away before we're able to really have a good relationship. So um, there's some research in there. I add some research. I add some of the story of planning the funeral um, and the phone call. The very first chapter is about the phone call I get. And then I, I ended up having to tell my mom what happened. Um, so that was... That was a doozy. Um, and so, yeah, so, so far the feedback is that uh, you need a box of tissues when you go to read it. I'm, we talked about this book last time. And I want to talk about that some more because you are doing a lot for people and especially in the United States because um, drug, adose, drug addiction and overdose in this country right now is beyond belief. Same in Canada. Yeah. Uh, is it is it as bad in Canada? It's pretty bad, yeah. I was told that a hundred thousand people in 2021 died of a drug overdose. Sounds about right. I do actually have the statistics. I put them in the book. I, I don't remember off the top of my head, but uh, they do. There are in the book. It's in. It's incredible that that this I would think would be something that would be on the news every day. Because that's that that's more people than die in car accidents. That's more people that die than die of, of heart attacks. It's and it's and it's young people. Yeah, a lot of them. But if they started talking about it more, then they'd have to actually realize there's a problem that has to be dealt with, and then deal with it. And that's that's crazy talk. Nobody wants to do that. <laughs> well, but, but 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 please, so many people are 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 dying and and it has to we have we can't hide from it anymore and especially no, with fentanyl. Um, that is what did him in actually yeah. is that what did him in yeah and can you do, do you mind sharing a little bit about that story that might help somebody yeah for sure um what part do you want to know because it could be a long one <laughs> well because he started out um what was his drug of choice to start? Was it beer and wine and and um, so I'm I'm not a hundred percent sure because I was the younger sister, so um he was four years older than me. Now he's only three years older than me. Um, I joke because I still care. Um, yes. and uh, so he, I remember the first the first time I can remember seeing him do drugs. Um, we lived still in the townhouse, so I was probably. He was probably maybe 14 or 15. Um, so I was like 10 or 11. And I walked into the kitchen and he had these two hot knives and something between them. And there was smoke coming out. And I, I had no idea what it was. I was still young. And he was offering me drugs. And I was like, no, what? what? And then I walked away. And so that, that was my first kind of clear memory. So I don't know what he did prior to that. Because I mean, that one, that seems like a pretty a hard drug um, of choice at, at 15. So from there, uh, he was in and out of jail a bunch, um, which it was called juvenile detention because it was like the youth jail. Um, and I do talk about that a lot in the book because in Canada, when he was going through the system, it was called the Young Offenders Act. But in 2002, they changed the law to be the Youth Criminal Justice Act. And there's quite a significant difference in how they implement the justice system based on those two acts. So I kind of give an overview of the two um, and how 
the justice system has come a long way because the new act focuses more on rehabilitation and helping the youth, as opposed to when my brother was in there, that was more about punishment and kind of teaching them if you lie and we can't prove it, well, then you'll get off the hook instead of now where it's like own up to it and then we can help you. So big differences. It, it really is. So? Hopefully that we are learning um, that yeah. punishment for an addiction, which is a disease, is not appropriate in most cases. Now, what they do because of their addiction, i.e. stealing, um, things like that, they may have to pay a price for that. But they're also not getting the... Um, I interviewed a gentleman two weeks ago. He was he was hard on drugs. He'd lost his wife, he'd lost his family, lost everything, and he was stealing stuff to get by. And then he committed an armed robbery, and he got caught. And so he went to prison, or he went to he went to the jail, and he had been on drugs for a long time, so there was huge withdrawal symptoms yeah. that he was going through. And so he went to the nurse. And she and said, look, I'm I'm I've been using for a long time. And now, obviously, here I can't and I got to get clean and sober. But this is painful and it hurts. And uh, she said, well, you know, we like to treat you like a rocket ship. You go down hard and fast. So so they didn't give him anything to help him. Would you like some Tylenol? Maybe that'll help. So, and nor did he get any counseling. At, at, so he went through that, which was a, you know, a horrible experience. Now, some people would say, well, you know, he deserved to go through that, mm -hmm. but it can, it can really hurt you. And sometimes it can kill you. So yes. um, it's important that we, as a culture, I, in my humble way of thinking, I think it's important for to take for us to take care of our kids and, oh, and, for to, sure. and to help them. Right. Exactly. And I say this in the book, my brother didn't wake up every morning and go, hmm, you know what? I think doing some drugs would be great. Yes. Let's, let's get high today. Um, no, he woke up and addiction is a mental health condition and it's becoming more widely known that that's true, that that's the case. Um, Cause for a long time, it was exactly that you are choosing to be addicted. You are choosing to do drugs. You're choosing to drink alcohol um, to a very extreme extent. And so in, in the book, I do go through what the actual DSM-5 outlines as the diagnostical criteria for, um, for an addiction, because it is actually a diagnosable condition. And that means that there's treatment that can also help. <laughs> But unless you're willing to stand up and say, I need help, you're not going to get it. And that's, that can be very difficult. And there's a great big stigma about, about standing up and saying, I need help. And then, and because you know, it, it, it changes your brain chemistry. I've yep. been told. That's what I've heard. That's what I've read. Um, and it's so and the longer you do it, the harder it comes back from. And you're right like you were talking about the the guests that you had having lost his family, lost this and that they do, they lose relationships, they lose jobs, they lose homes. And that's why when I wrote this book, I really wrote it speaking to the families. It's not to say somebody with an addiction can't read it, but it's really written to the families to try and help them understand. First off, it's okay. If they're not talking to this person every day, 
because you still have to protect your own mental health and your own um, emotional well-being as well. Um, but also as a way to kind of understand that other person so you can decide how much support you can provide to them. So for my brother, a long time for a long time, I tried to help him by um, I would sometimes drop off craft dinner to his house. I, I told him, I would say, hey, I will meet you somewhere, but you are not coming to my house, right? Like, so there's boundaries that you have to set. And as time went on, the boundaries got more strict. Like they got to the point of, I am not seeing you until you're clean and sober, because it was just when I would see him and he would ask me a question, um, for instance, Hey, can I have $10? And the answer would be no. Cause I knew what he was going to use it for. And all of a sudden it would, you are such a, <laughs> right. Because and a lot of people with addictions are this way. They are very sweet to get what they want, but as soon as they don't get what they want, they'll drop every word they know at you because they are not getting what they need to get their fix. And withdrawal is painful, like you said. Like, so there's a lot of components to it. And it's can be very difficult being a family member of somebody with an addiction to try and, you know say, I still love you. I still care about you, but they, the person with the addiction, all they care about at that moment is getting the next fix. And they don't, well, let me ask you, do they recognize that you still love them or does he, is he so far in depth into what he's doing that he just poo poos it unless you got 10 bucks? Yeah. Um, I think it got to the point that it it was kind of like he poo pooed it, um, because I was very very strict on the, I was not going to communicate with you if you were going to call me those names. Um, the last conversation I actually had with him, it was about three weeks before he died. He was at my aunt's house. And so we were on zoom and he, he was, at first I was just, we were just sort of talking and it was really hard to have a conversation with him. Cause it's, how do you have a conversation? Hey, how are you? What's new? Oh, uh, <laughs> not much new in his life. <laughs> um, and then to, for me to tell him what's new in my life, it's almost like, almost felt like I'm saying, Hey, I'm so much better than you. Um, no, you're not. That's it, it's what it felt like. Yeah. 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 But, so when, when he, when, when he finally um, overdosed, uh, was it because he had introduced something new like fentanyl or it got snuck into his stuff. Did they ever find out exactly what Um, happened there? I don't think so. They never told us anything different. I think it was more just a, Oh, there's another drug addict gone. Sweet. Brush our hands clean. Um, So no, they never did uh, tell us. I'm not sure exactly what happened. Um, I would, when I got the phone call, it was, his ex-girlfriend and they were still friends. Um, she actually had messaged me on Facebook first to call her. So I called her and, uh, she, she was just like, I'm so sorry, Brandon's gone. And I was like, what? So she gave me the number of the other person that was on scene with his body and the police and everything. And she kind of explained to me what happened and said, you know, I tried, I tried to give her the naloxone. Um, so naloxone has these counter, like counteractive things that help when there is um, a certain type of drug overdose. Um, I put, I put the definition in, in the book as well. 
And so basically naloxone, it's supposed to revive somebody that's having a drug overdose and it just didn't work for him that time. Now, was and that so the one that uses a nasal spray? Um, it might, I know it does also use a needle. Um, yeah, they've got a new one out now that's, that's down here. Okay. That, that is, a, is a nasal spray. And uh, it is, you know, I've had a couple, I drove a bus for a long time and I had a couple of people OD on the bus. Oh, okay. And so they, the medic one came um, and they determined that he was indeed on his way, you know, out. Yeah. And so they gave him, um, forget the name of it, but it was, but it it was actually a, uh, um, a nose spray, but you can't use it. You, it, it fixes the problem short term but yes. it wears off and it doesn't help long-term. Yeah, exactly. It's kind of like a, kind of like a, an EpiPen almost, right? When you're having yeah. an alert, a severe allergic reaction, it helps you make it to an emergency room, um, but you still need medical attention. It was the damnedest thing I ever see, I ever saw, because there's, this man was lying on, on my bus. I was driving a 60 foot bus. He was lying there. He had, tubes in him because they were checking him and stuff and the medic one came and they had we had been trying for 30 minutes to wake him up oh Anything, wow I, the, the policeman was actually putting his finger in his eye uh trying to you know cause enough discomfort to wake him up and nothing, oh my goodness nothing was working and Ow. so they they administered narcan is what they call it oh yes okay and they administered narcan and he like popped up and was sitting up and it was like nothing was wrong and uh, i said wow that stuff's a miracle and the uh, the fireman said mm, not really he'll he'll, <laughs> he'll be comatose in about 20 minutes so we have to get him to the hospital now yeah and and stuff so and it but it's one of those things you know drug addiction and correct me if i'm wrong but drug addiction is one of those things where in the beginning it's a great deal of fun it makes them feel super and happy and whatever it is but then over time it kind of the table kind of flips yeah it's no longer necessarily fun it's now a necessity exactly that's i mean i've never because of seeing what happened with brandon i never have done drugs but from all of the different interviews i've done on my show yeah, that's pretty much it. You know, they start because it's helping them deal with, say, their anxiety. And I, I think that's part of what was Brandon's issue um, was he needed to deal with anxiety and some trauma that happened. And so they use that to feel better and it works. But in order to keep it working, they have to use more and more and more. And then eventually it's that the drug is saying, no, you're going to use me now. I don't care if you think you need me. You're going to need me. Whether you want to or not. Exactly. And by the way, there's a guy sitting in a car someplace that just heard you say on your show, and he wants me to ask you, your show, tell us about your show. Sure. Um, So I have a podcast and a YouTube channel. Um, It's called the Write or Die Show. So write like you're writing something, W-R-I-T-E, Write or Die Show. I interview other authors, and we talk about their personal mental health journeys. Um, Much like we're doing now to try and just bring awareness, get people to learn some new coping strategies and hopefully just bring some awareness and help even just one person. You know, at the end of the day, that's all we can do. Yeah. Is this is a very, people think that this is a uh, public thing. It's a very personal thing. Exactly. it's, It's you and I sitting here having a conversation 
And there are other people uh, in the Seattle market that are listening to this conversation and they're thinking, well, they're on the radio and that, and that. No, this is just a conversation between you and I that yeah. hopefully somebody will get the benefit of. Because we've talked about some great things today. We've talked about writing. We've talked about kickboxing. We've talked about autism. We've talked about dr drug addiction. And, uh, and you're a wonderful guest to have. And by the way, yeah. uh, since I do a podcast too, um, um, and I know yours is terrific. Is, is, is mine okay? Yeah, I like yours. It's great. Oh, good. Yeah. <laughs> I always fish for compliments, you know. Everyone should subscribe to both of us. I agree. I agree. So if they <laughs> want to subscribe to you, how do they get that done? Uh, so if you prefer to watch it on YouTube, then you can do that. Write or die show, hit subscribe. Or if you prefer podcasts, you can listen on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, whatever one you listen to it on. Say it slower. Sorry, I talk fast. So, <laughs> um, on YouTube, you can find it and you'll see the videos. And I always have very cool makeup on. Um, and then so if I. you... I know I see it right now. Um, and then if you prefer to just listen through a podcast version, you can listen on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, whatever platform it is that you prefer to listen to. It's on all of them. And how did you get started doing that? Um, so I loved podcasts. I loved listening to them. I liked being guests on them. And I was like, hmm, I could do this. I love talking. <laughs> <laughs> and when I was little, I was going to be a famous actor. So I was like, well, having my own talk show is kind of the same thing. Well, you're not old yet. You're not dead yet. So that you never know that could happen yet. True. But according to my kid, I'm ancient, you know, and uh, yeah, <laughs> it doesn't take much for them. And so I was like, okay, what am I going to make the show about? And a bunch of different ideas went through my head. And then somebody said, to, and I knew I wanted something about mental health. I knew that. And somebody said to me, well, you're an author. Why don't you just talk to other authors? Oh, you're a genius. Brilliant. Brilliant. <laughs> and you've niched down into a real fairly narrow niche, but it's, it's also, it's broad at the same time. Exactly. So I talk to authors, but it's not just for authors to listen to because it's, you know, we're just talking about mental health and what I do on the YouTube one anyways, um, is I make playlists. So if you're like, Hey, just want to listen to the depression episodes, you can look and all the depression episodes are all together. The bipolar are all together. Right. So it's kind of neat that way. Yeah, absolutely. And then you do a great job and, and, and thank you for the work that you're doing. And by the way, this will be on positivetalkradio.net as well as uh, Positive Talk Radio, the YouTube channel. We have over 60,000 views on YouTube, just so mm -hmm. there. So, well, I'm working on it, okay? I'm still fresh. <laughs> we're, all, we're all doing it, and, and it's, it's, great, it's great fun. And uh, we're, we are, sadly, because this is actual real radio in downtown Seattle, um, and this is KKNW 1150 AM, we're going to run out of time in approximately three and a half minutes. So I want to make sure that I give you enough time to be able to tell our audience anything that's on your heart that you would like them to know. Oh, what do I want them to know? Um, follow me everywhere. <laughs> well, definitely do that. Not everywhere. Not everywhere. Okay. Not like in a creepy stalker way, but like social media way. Exactly. <laughs> and buy all my books. Um, just if you are feeling, because we've talked so much about autism, about mental health, if you are feeling that something is a little off, don't just be like, oh, okay, that's just me. That's just normal. That, that's my normal. 
it might be your normal, but it, you might also need some help. So reach out, talk to professionals. Um, if it is something around the um, autism thing, look for somebody who actually knows about autism, not just a general practitioner. Um, they're a good starting point, but uh, you want that end game. And uh, I always like to say on my show about mental health, I always close up with saying, let's speak openly and honestly about all these topics. Um, so that's what I want to say. And then, yeah, for sure, follow me on Facebook. I'm RB Writing on Instagram. Uh, I just changed my Instagram name. Shoot, I don't have it memorized yet. I think it's just Randy Lee Boslaw now. <laughs> and TikTok, I'm, I'm there as well. Uh, Randy Lee Boslaw. And good, good for you. I'm glad you're, that you're out there because you genuinely are helping people. And uh, and that's 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 really cool that you that you do that. By the way, her name again is Randy Lee Boslaw, and you can go to rbwriting.ca. She's a a a friend of ours from you know Canada up there. <laughs> you can't tell though because I live so close to the border that I don't talk to Canadian. <laughs> does that, that does that even sound remotely like a Canadian, or does it sound like I'm being stupid? Um, a little bit of both. I think if you go like super, super northeast from me, you might find that kind of talk. Well, there used to be a show called Bob and Ted or something like that. Yeah, yeah. They they hardcore make fun of uh, yeah, everything Canadian. Yeah. But I have to tell you, I've I've talked to a lot of uh, Canadians, and and you guys are a little bit more enlightened than we are down here <laughs> in, in a lot of cases. So I really appreciate you guys for what for what you do, and it's it's awfully fun to to have you here. And uh, and by the way, again, go to her website and uh, you and buy her book. She's got uh, the third's coming out in May. Is that right? Yeah, May. So you can pre-order right now, so that as soon as it comes out, you'll get it. And that is May what when it comes out? May twentieth. Will you come back before then? Totally. Oh, very nice. See, see, ladies and gentlemen, she'll come back and see me. So there. <laughs> I like you. We can be friends. <laughs> we can we can be friends. And you're you're, you're a fabulous guest. And it's, it's great fun to, meet, to have you here. We are going to be back here at noon on Friday. And um, we don't know what we're going to talk about at noon on Friday because the guest that we had scheduled Sisters Jay isn't going to make be able to make it. But we'll figure out something for you. So. On behalf of uh, Randy Lee Bolsloff, thank you very much for being part of Positive Talk Radio here on Wednesday on KKNW 1150 AM. And by the way, be kind to one another because each other is all we've got. Mm -hmm.